Remember the 90s, when MTV still played music videos, when people still bought physical copies of albums, and when legendary musicians like Kurt Cobain and Dimebag Daryl still walked the earth? Well, now you can once again relive that decade every week on KBGA because your favorite 90s radio show, Sounds Like Teen Spirit, is back and better than ever. It's still the best show on KBGA to hear artists like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Sublime, Megadeth, Primus, and more. Again, that's Sounds Like Teen Spirit. Now on Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m., only on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. Charlie Brown Jr. kicking off this program with Confisco, which translates to confiscation, off their 1999 album Preco Curto Prazo Longo. Welcome to the award-winning Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I'm your omniscient host, Ian. 
This episode includes music from the likes of Lagwagon, Rusted Root, Clutch, No Doubt, Queensryche, Ice-T, Smash Mouth, Motorhead, Depeche Mode, and Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Plus, I'm going to be reviewing and playing a song apiece from the new Ministry album, Moral Hygiene, released on October 1st, the new Local H EP, Local H's Awesome Quarantine Mixtape number 3, released on October 8th, the new Dream Theater album, A View from the Top of the World, and the new Guided by Voices album, It's Not Them, It Couldn't Be Them, It Is Them, both released on the 22nd, and the new Jerry Cantrell solo album, Brighton, released on the 29th. I'll start with Ministry. Ministry, the musical collective made up of Al Jorgensen and whoever he happens to be working with at the time, has always been a highly politicized act, but that's especially the case whenever a Republican president occupies the White House. And if Jorgensen harbored a strong enough distaste for George W. Bush to record a whole trilogy of albums against him, then you shouldn't have to guess that he absolutely hated Donald Trump. He hasn't put out a trilogy of anti-Trump albums yet, but that could very well be in the making. The latest ministry effort, 2021's Moral Hygiene, is the band's second anti-Trump album, and it's even more explicitly so than the first. At this point, I'd like to remind you that the first was 2018's Americant, with three Ks in place of the C, and an album cover depicting a face-palming Statue of Liberty. Yes, Moral Hygiene is even more explicitly anti-Trump than that album. Of course, the album's fiercely political nature may pose as a barrier to many potential listeners. Trump supporters will undoubtedly hate it, and even if you're militantly against Trump, you may not necessarily want to listen to a 47-minute anti-Trump tirade in the form of a ministry album. However, if you're on board with Al Jorgensen's personal politics, and if you consider yourself a ministry fan you pretty much have to be, then you may find yourself treated to what I believe is the most musically interesting ministry album in almost 20 years. I felt that Americant was overly reliant on Trump sound bites, to the point where the ratio of samples to actual vocals was at least 2 to 1, if not 3 to 1. And more often than not, it felt as if Jorgensen was more interested in making a statement than he was in creating compelling and galvanizing music. However, Jorgensen's notably increased presence on moral hygiene, when coupled with some intriguing and unexpected instrumentation, make the album a much more effective critique and a thoroughly superior effort overall. Moral Hygiene kicks off with its lead single originally released a year and a half ago, Alert Level, and while it may not be the most rousing ministry song ever, it nonetheless makes for a perfectly serviceable album opener. This is followed by the album's second single, Good Trouble, a song targeting racist police officers that largely continues the tempo and vibes given by the preceding song. From here, things really start to get interesting. Next up is Sabotage's Sex, a thrashier ministry song with vocals from former Dead Kennedys frontman Jello Biafra. And folks, when I say that, I don't mean Jello Biafra provides backing vocals or a guest verse or anything like that. Biafra sings the entire song himself, effectively making him the lead vocalist of Ministry for one song only. It's just like when Gibby Haynes of the Butthole Surfers sang lead on Ministry's biggest hit, the 1991 single Jesus Built My Hot Rod. The next song is Disinformation, explicitly about the deluge of fake news claims, or in other words, the practice of dismissing news you don't like as bullish without feeling the need to provide real evidence of such. It seems intended to evoke electro-industrial acts like Nine Inch Nails and Stabbing Westward, but it also kind of reminds me of the grunge band Tad and the low-pitched galloping bass lines in several of their songs. 
It's a definite change-up for ministry, and one of Moral Hygiene's most enticing songs. After this is Ministry's cover of Search and Destroy by Iggy Pop and the Stooges, perhaps the album's only apolitical track, but not entirely irrelevant to its themes. I actually really like this cover. It puts a dark and twisted spin on the classic song, very akin to what Ministry did with Bob Dylan's Lay Lady Lay in the mid-90s. Following the cover are a pair of six-minute tracks, Believe Me and Broken System, which are about the lies that come directly from Trump's mouth and the Earth's bleak environmental future, respectively. Both songs have striking guitar work and can be counted among the album's highlights. Next is We Shall Resist, which settles into a mellow but menacing groove that reminds me of certain Rob Zombie and White Zombie songs. Moral Hygiene's penultimate track, Death Toll, is officially designated as an instrumental, and it's made up entirely of newscast sound bites reporting on COVID death toll numbers interspersed with clips of COVID-denying preacher Kenneth Copeland. While it certainly has its role to play on the album, it's ultimately a rather disposable track that represents what roughly 60% of Americant felt like to me. If the backing music gradually intensified along with the rising death toll numbers, that would have made the track interesting and suspenseful, but alas, an opportunity was missed here. This track finally leads into TV song number six, Right Around the Corner Mix, the sixth ministry song to date to bear the TV moniker. This is another sample-heavy track, with limited vocal work from Jorgensen tying it all together, but it's also the album's fastest and most furious song. It may not be one of my favorite tracks on Moral Hygiene, but its unwieldy and chaotic nature feels like an appropriate note to end the album on. Having now heard the finished album, it's clear why Jorgensen was hoping to have it out in time for the 2020 election. He rails against Trump as if he were still the sitting president and still holding the reins. However, even though Trump is now out of office and eerily quiet as of late, in this DJ's personal opinion, the train has already been set on a collision course, and it will take years to phase out the plague of ignorance and irresponsibility he has unleashed on a large percentage of the U.S. population, if it can even be done at all. Therefore, moral hygiene is still just about as relevant as it would have been if it had its originally intended release over a year ago, and although the album may not hit all its marks, it still holds plenty of refreshing musical surprises for ministry fans. Alright, the next song I'm going to play is the aforementioned Broken System. Enjoy! Life will never be the same. 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 Life will never be the same.
portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events and its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com. Secondhand store, buy some clothes like I used to wear before. Curly haired Sally says she likes me a little better this way. Everything I wish for, I know I could. Only if everything I could, I didn't wish for. It's a good day in the USA, strip down to your Uncle Long Jones. But no thanks, I'm good here in my magenta. Radio Don't 
Porcupine Tree with Synesthesia off their 1993 album Up the Downstair. Porcupine Tree are back, folks! The British prog rock outfit originally went on indefinite hiatus in 2010, following the touring cycle for their most recent album to date, 2009's The Incident. Although the band never issued a statement or otherwise formally declared a breakup, its future looked cloudy for years as frontman Steven Wilson became preoccupied with his solo career and kept insisting he had no further porcupine tree plans. Then, in January 2021, hot on the heels of his latest solo album, The Future Bites, Wilson suggested in an interview that Porcupine Tree could return when no one is expecting it. And that vague promise finally paid out on November 1st, when Porcupine Tree announced a reunion and new album completely out of left field. The reunion is comprised of three of the four members from the 2010 lineup, which aside from Wilson includes keyboardist Richard Barbieri and drummer Gavin Harrison. Longtime bassist Colin Edwin will not be participating. The band will likely pick up a new bassist somewhere down the road, at the very least when the time comes to tour again, but in the meantime, it looks like Wilson has recorded all the bass on the new album, sessions for which concluded in September. The first new Porcupine Tree album in over 12 years is titled Closure Slash Continuation, and it's scheduled for release on June 24, 2022. The album's length and track list have yet to be disclosed, but is confirmed to be a seven-track album. The eight-minute lead single, Harridan, was released in conjunction with the album announcement, and I would say it was pretty much worth the wait. Porcupine Tree have been a lot of different things over the years, and Harridan certainly falls within their wheelhouse. With entrancing, slickly produced instrumental passages and a flair for the theatrical, it's a strong early showing from the upcoming album. I look forward to hearing the rest of it and subsequently reviewing and playing from it for you next year, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, before Porcupine Tree, I played Last Time in Paris by Queensryche off the soundtrack to the 1990 film The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Magenta Radio by Rusted Root off their 1998 self-titled and Excuse Me Mister by No Doubt off their 1995 album Tragic Kingdom. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slts2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. All right, next I'm going to review and play from the new Local HEP, Local H's Awesome Quarantine Mixtape number 3. Local H may not be an especially big name in rock and roll, but they've nonetheless managed to cultivate a reputation as masterful cover artists. Over the years, they've peppered their live sets with myriad covers encompassing a wide array of eras and genres, including everything from classic rock to punk to contemporary pop. They're not just trying to pander to crowds with popular songs, either. While some of the songs they've covered are pretty well known, it's apparent that there's no reason or rhyme behind their cover choices. Frontman Scott Lucas, and whomever he happens to have drumming for him at any given time, are just playing stuff they like, and they really like a whole lot of stuff. I mean, what other thread could there possibly be connecting artists as disparate as Pink Floyd, TV on the Radio, The Jesus Lizard, Britney Spears, and Daft Punk? At any rate, these random covers were, for the longest time, almost exclusively relegated to local H's live shows. 
Then, a little over a decade ago, the band initiated the Local H's Awesome Mixtape EP series to handily compile many of those covers together as studio recordings so that folks who have never been to a Local H concert could finally get in on the fun. The well-rounded and eclectic mix of tracks on these EPs, coupled with the often-inspired choices made by the band in reinterpreting those songs, went a long way towards cementing that aforementioned reputation and making it known to a wider audience. And I'm pleased to report that, with the recent release of Local H's awesome quarantine mixtape number 3, the band's status as cover kings is still very soundly preserved. As the extra word in the EP's title alludes to, the songs chosen for mixtape number 3 were ones that Local H had been incorporating into their live streams during quarantine last year, and the assortment of artists is no less eclectic. Prince, The Kinks, Looking Glass, Eurythmics, Robert Plant, Fountains of Wayne, Mark Lanigan, and Blondie. Although the quarantine mixtape, like its two predecessors, is officially designated as an EP, it is in fact longer and more robust than several of the LPs I've reviewed this year alone, and there are certain touches that suggest a lot more thought and care went into its arrangement than a typical EP. Two local H albums, 1996's As Good As Dead and 2012's Hallelujah, I'm a Bum, begin and end on the same song, with the closing track serving as a longer, heavier, and more fleshed-out version of the opening track. In a similar fashion, the new EP is bookended with covers of Prince's When Doves Cry, the first one being acoustic-based and the second one being electric. Personally, I found this to be a real masterstroke, and it certainly helps that each version stands on its own and works so well with its respective angle that there's really no need to pit the two against each other. Better yet, if you were to put the two versions back-to-back on a playlist, with the way the first one ends and the second one begins, they essentially function together as a mega cover that abruptly gets heavy about halfway through, and I for one would love to see Local H replicate that in a live setting someday. Sandwiched in between the two Prince covers on the EP are seven covers that take personalized and widely varied approaches in adapting the songs in question. By and large, this is a mellower release than average for Local H, with roughly half the EP made up of ballads. That's fine by me, though, because as adept as Local H is at heavy, hooky, in-your-face rock songs, their softer side is almost equally compelling. It's made even better here when you observe that, in a couple of instances, Local H have created ballads where they didn't exist before. I never thought I needed to hear a lush, somber, acoustic rendition of Eurythmics' Here Comes the Rain Again, aka Talk to Me, like lovers do, but now I can't imagine life without it. Ditto goes for their cover of the peppy blondie hit, Dreaming. Those two songs function so remarkably well as ballads that it's a wonder no one else figured it out sooner. Other covers on Quarantine Mixtape Number 3 take similarly creative liberties with their original counterparts, but the way that Local H have utterly transformed Eurythmics and Blondie is worthy of special commendation. On the flip side, the band's covers of Robert Plant's Big Log and Fountains of Wayne's Hackensack are uncharacteristically faithful to a fault, and next to most of the other songs on the EP, they feel like missed opportunities. However, those are still good songs no matter who's playing them, and their inclusion does nothing to diminish what is unquestionably a better-than-average cover set in all respects. Alright, this next track I'm going to play is the cover of Blondie's Dreaming. This cover features no drums, in stark contrast to the original, which featured all of the drums, and it still works! Well, enjoy!
you in the restaurant You could tell I was no debutante You asked me what's my pleasure A movie or a measure I'll have a cup of tea And tell you of my dreaming Dreaming is free Dreaming Dreaming is free I don't wanna live on charity Be the one. 
Take the steak, Roberts. Who gives a damn about those call letters? KBGA, KGBA, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know where the music's at, don't you? Stupid.
I hit it with the vocal tone, it's mine. Have motherfuckers rushing to rewind. Cause I flow slow and still twist your tongues up. Like the house from night to the sun's up. Cause it really ain't how much you say, it's what you say. I got no fucking time on the mic to play. I write rhymes with addition and algebra, mental geometry. Don't even come at me, talking that weak and pumping that bullshit. Get out my face, a fool could get his head split. A lot of doubters said it couldn't be done by me. Them same suckers are not looking from under me. Wondering what I did, I didn't play myself, kid. I respected my fans and made the high bid. Sometimes I write my rhymes at night and fall asleep. Wake up with new techniques, grab a pen and place it on some loose leaf. Nothing soft, always the tough me. The white paper and blue lines excite my mind, not allowing me to stop the rhyme until the whole motherfucking book's complete. Then I write on the back of the sheets. I made a promise to my brothers in street crime. We get paid with the use of a sweet rhyme. We put our minds together, made the tracks clever. Now we're checking more bank than ever, mind over matter. So you got to have mind power, like your brother say. Mind over matter. I can drop rhymes in twos and threes and fours. And still have much left for encores. Cause when my mind locks in on a dope idea, motherfucking up shit stand clear. Cause I'ma hit the topic point blank. It's Jay, you better keep your shank. Cause I got mine and I'm out on the solo creep. Your face is a concrete. You wanna roll with them to get don't play? I think it got false courage. Get out my damn way. Cause the calm in is rolling full of men. My kids are boys, he got the Mac 10. Islam's got the Zulu Nation back up. DJ Aladdin, two hook with the up track up. Syndicates making the move with the ski mask. And now I'm housing a long cash. So now you realize you underestimated me. The ice, you thought that I was okay. But now you realize I'm nice. But that's alright, cause I knew I'd make it in the end. Those who like me now might not have liked me then. But I'ma keep impressing, stressing my lesson. And keep motherfuckers guessing. I'ma plate my mind with walls and shields. As I escape from the killing fields. I can understand. Hey. Mind over matter. I know what it means. <laughs> Mind. 
Mind over matter. Mind over matter. Mind over matter. Wise up, move to the temple of the tight groove. You know that this shit's dope, so what you trying to prove? These maxes, evilly, my nigga dogs can wax. My brain's a hand grenade. Catch. I'ma hit you with an overload of bottomless thought. Reversing all this shit you taught. Then throw words at you, syllable at a time. You bring the sights to rhyme. No matter what you do, the power's over you. In your sleep, you'll be saying these rhymes too. Cause the brain has the power to control all. Think positive, you'll be unable to fall. Brain cells swell, thought process becomes a trance. Make you feel possessed to dance. I say I want a million, my mind is so deep. I'll be busting a check for it next week. Like your fellas say, mind over matter. I know what it means. Mind over matter. Mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. KBGA Missoula, the cabbage.
Stabbing Westward with Dawn, off the 1996 soundtrack to Escape from L.A. Stabbing Westward have just announced the title and release date for their first new album in over 20 years. The album has been titled Chasing Ghosts, and it's scheduled for release on March 18, 2022. It looks like Stabbing Westward have diverged quite a bit from the plan for new music they established early last year. Not long after the January 2020 release of the Dead and Gone EP, the band's first new musical release following their 2016 reunion, Stabbing Westward disclosed their intent for future releases. Originally, the plan was to put out two additional EPs of new music over the course of 2020, then compile all the songs from the three EPs into a new LP to be released by the end of the year. Instead, the band only ended up issuing one more EP in 2020, a surprise covers EP just before Halloween, and it took them over a year after that to finally announce the new album for a 2022 release. All three new songs from the Dead and Gone EP are present on the upcoming album's 10-song tracklist, but nothing from the Hallowed Hymns EP is. In light of the album's announcement, a new single called I Am Nothing was dropped. Though the electronic elements of Stabbing Westward's sound are more pronounced than usual on this single, giving it a bit of a Nine Inch Nails feel, it ultimately sounds like a pretty quintessential Stabbing Westward tune, one that would have been right at home on the band's 1996 sophomore album, Wither, Blister, Burn, and Peel. I'll be sure to review the new album for you and play at least one of its songs on Sounds Like Teen Spirit next spring. Anyway, before Stabbing Westward, I played Mind Over Matter by Ice-T off his 1991 album OG Original Gangster, The Weeping Song by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds off their 1990 album The Good Son, and Failure by Lagwagon off their 1997 album Double Platinum. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula, to like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. All right, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Guided by Voices album, It's Not Them, It Couldn't Be Them, It Is Them. As I've previously foretold a couple episodes ago, my review of the latest Guided by Voices album will also include discussion and analysis of all other GBV releases in 2021, essentially making this a Guided by Voices year-in review. I've opted to take this approach with the band from here on out because I figure I'll find it a more enjoyable exercise than trying to come up with personalized reviews for three new GBV albums every year. And that is very much a literal three, mind you. Before, Guided by Voices was already putting out music at a hummingbird's pace, averaging one to two new albums per year, but the past two years, 2020 and 2019, got three albums apiece. And if 2021 is any indication, that's the normal rate we can expect from the band going forward. Technically, 2021 saw just two albums released under the Guided by Voices name, assuming they don't get in yet another between now and December 31st, but they've also begun issuing music under the alias Cub Scout Bowling Pins. If you take into consideration the output of both entities, then Guided by Voices have essentially released three albums and one EP this year, which might actually be a new record for them. The first of these releases was the Cub Scout Bowling Pins EP, Heaven Beats Iowa, in January. It's not bad, although at six songs totaling roughly 12 minutes, there's not much here to analyze. 
It's got kind of a nice ebb and flow to it, largely alternating back and forth between spacier and punchier songs, and even in its short length it boasts its share of standouts, such as Moon Camera with its prominent xylophone track, but it's ultimately a pretty run-of-the-mill GBV EP. The next 2021 release was the Guided by Voices album Earthman Blues in April. This album is actually a collection of reworked songs left over from previous GBV album sessions, some of which date back to the 90s. Honestly, given the band's frenetic rate of output and the seemingly unfinished nature of some of their songs, I think it's a wonder that GBV ever left anything on the cutting room floor, but I found Earthman Blues to be a surprisingly satisfying listen and superior to any of the band's three 2020 offerings. Perhaps the disjointed nature of the album's content worked in its favor, affording it a higher-than-average level of variety and unpredictability that I found refreshing. Most of my favorite GBV songs of 2021 are from Earthman Blues. These include second single, Trust Them Now, which sounds surprisingly fully realized for a two-minute GBV leftover, The Disconnected Citizen, which incorporates a hint of guitar twang sounding not unlike a Cracker song, Lights Out in Memphis, Egypt, which at 5 minutes and 41 seconds is undoubtedly the longest Guided by Voices song I've ever heard, and apparently GBV gets downright proggy at that length, closing track Child's Play, an incredibly jaunty and catchy little 90-second tune, and my personal choice for GBV song of the year, The Batman Sees the Ball, which rides an infectious, tragically hip-style guitar riff across a rollicking 3-plus minutes. The third release was the Cub Scout Bowling Pins album, Clang Clang Ho, in July, and frankly, I felt this one represents GVV at their most disposable. This is a 20-song album that runs for less than 40 minutes in total, so naturally it contains a whole bunch of short and forgettable songs. Substantially more than usual, the songs on Clang Clang Ho are generally meandering, half-baked, and unsatisfactory, with production values so low you might think you're listening to a demo tape. Granted, I'm aware that GBV have deliberately sought out a lo-fi production on several of their classic albums, and that it's kind of part of their musical DNA, but these particular songs needed all the help they could get, and they didn't get it. There are maybe a few tracks on Clang Clang Ho that left an impression on me, but not enough of one to recommend sitting through the other 17. And that brings us to the most recent release, the GBV album It's Not Them, It Couldn't Be Them, It Is Them, from October. To be honest, I didn't find the songwriting on this album to be that much better than Clang Clang Ho, and it's certainly the lesser of the two albums released under the GBV name this year, but at least the production here is serviceable, showing how much of a difference a producer's touch can make. The songs here do all sound like they came from the same writing sessions, giving the whole thing a cohesion that Earthband Blues sort of lacks, and like any half-decent GBV album, it's not without its highlights, even if they don't hit as high as those from the other 2021 album. I also found that several of the songs on It's Not Them grew on me considerably after just a second listen, so time ought to be kind to this one at least. Ultimately, I found that the best Guided by Voices material of 2021 was largely the stuff released under their own name. I don't think either of those two GBV albums are a revelation or anything. Earthman Blues may be one of the better ones, but that's still only like top 16 overall. But they stand proud and tall next to the output of Cub Scout Bowling Pins, which felt kind of pointless and hollow to me. Given that CSBP is comprised of the same five members of GBV, and that their music sounds essentially the same, there's no good reason their two releases this year couldn't have been issued under the GBV name. 
Maybe they were just intended to be secret GBV releases, but if so, they were a poorly kept secret. Cub Scout bowling pins really don't do anything that GBV haven't already done better, and if the band continues to release music under that name in the future, I sincerely hope they take the opportunity to do something unique with it next time around. Alright, so next I'm going to be playing a song off of It's Not Them, It Couldn't Be Them, It Is Them, and I'll be following it up with a song from Earthman Blues during my annual Album of the Year show in late December. This next song is one of my favorites from It's Not Them, the album's opening track. With its flamenco guitar, bongo drums, and mariachi horns, it's a definite standout. The song is called Spanish Coin. Enjoy!
and settle down a while Cause it's getting hard to think And my clothes are starting to shrink And the moon is sagging down like a Smoking in an old ashtray They just blow it out their nose And say okay So let's try to make it last The past is still the past And tomorrow is just another
Smash Mouth with Let's Rock off their 1997 debut, Fushu Mang. Smash Mouth now find themselves without a mouth, as frontman Steve Harwell announced his retirement from the band last month. Wait, Smash Mouth is still a thing, you might be asking? Yes, believe it or not they are, though it's certainly fair of you to have your doubts, considering Smash Mouth haven't released a new album since 2012, and they have more or less been MIA from pop culture since the early 2000s. In fact, if they hadn't headlined the 2020 Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota, one of the only festivals not canceled last year due to COVID, and later classified by the CDC as a super spreader event, then this may well have been the first time any of you heard anything about Smash Mouth in the past decade. But Smash Mouth have remained a band this entire time, and Steve Harwell had been their one and only frontman all the way up until October 2021. It all began in September, when Smash Mouth played a handful of shows with a singer that some fans noticed was decidedly not Steve Harwell. The mysterious fill-in singer still has yet to be identified, and the band never acknowledged the singer swap on social media or otherwise. However, in early October, Harwell disclosed that he was taking a hiatus from Smash Mouth and that the mystery singer was a friend of the band, but he made a point to stress that it was all a temporary measure. Indeed, Harwell performed with the band again less than a week later at Bethel, New York's Big Sip Beer and Wine Festival on October 11th, but those in attendance could see that there was something off about him. He was slurring his speech, he was issuing threats to audience members on top of other odd ramblings, and at one point he appeared to be making a Nazi salute. The next day, October 12th, Harwell announced a permanent retirement due to health problems, saying, I've tried so hard to power through my physical and mental health issues and to play in front of you one last time, but I just wasn't able to. The issues Harwell is referring to are twofold. Roughly eight years ago, he was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, a disease that gradually limits one's physical exertion and often progresses to heart failure, which in Harwell's case has. He also developed encephalopathy, a neurological disorder whose symptoms include disorientation, memory loss, and deteriorating motor skills. This disorder is brought on by thiamine or vitamin B1 deficiency, which is commonly a result of alcoholism. So, given that Harwell seemed intoxicated during the show on October 11th, at one point even dropping a drink on stage, I think we have a clear picture of what was going on with him that night. As for the future of Smash Mouth, none of the remaining members have commented yet on Harwell's departure and what this means for them going forward, which begs the question, how do you continue Smash Mouth at this point? Or better yet, should you? I mean, Smash Mouth have pretty much existed as a nostalgia act for most of the past two decades, and Harwell's absence essentially downgrades them to tribute band in the vein of Sublime with Rome. I don't think the guy they had singing for them in September was in any way intended to be a long-term replacement, so from where I'm sitting, the only viable candidate is Paul Delisle, the group's founding bassist and now the last original member remaining. Delisle had previously filled in for Harwell during some 2016 shows, so he's already proven himself up to the task, and honestly I can't imagine any appropriate alternatives. Still. Even if they went with the best possible option for continuing, which would be their second best option overall, I don't foresee them putting out any more new music. Anyway, before Smash Mouth, I played Sleeping Bag by Beck off his 1994 album One Foot in the Grave, A Quick Death in Texas by Clutch off their 2015 album Psychic Warfare, and Killed by Death by Motorhead off the 1984 compilation No Remorse. You're still continuing to listen to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. 
To like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen spirit. All right. Next, I'm going to review and play a song from the new Dream Theater album, A View from the Top of the World. Dream Theater's last couple albums may have been a tad divisive among the band's fan community, but I'd be hard-pressed to imagine any of them taking issue with their latest. After experimenting with album structure for a bit, Dream Theater have returned with a more quintessential release that largely adheres to prog rock standards. 2021's A View from the Top of the World is a 7-track album totaling roughly 70 minutes in length, which is consistent with several of Dream Theater's past albums, as well as iconic albums from bands like Rush and Porcupine Tree. Naturally, this means long songs are a guarantee, since the average length would be about 10 minutes, but although all tracks on the new Dream Theater album can be considered long, there is nonetheless a pretty wide disparity in its song lengths, as is typical of prog rock. In fact, many prog albums gravitate around one particularly long track in the neighborhood of 20 minutes, and that, of course, is yet another box of View from the Top of the World manages to tick with its 20-and-a-half-minute title track. So on paper, the album looks to be a pretty traditional release for both Dream Theater and prog in general. Fortunately, from a musical standpoint, it happens to be an especially good one at that. Dream Theater are hardly unique in the field of prog metal, but they have a distinct edge over the competition in the instrumental team of John Petrucci on guitar, John Mayung on bass, Jordan Rudis on keyboards, and Mike Mangini on drums. All four of these guys are incredibly disciplined and virtuosic musicians, and their talents both individually and as a unit are on full display throughout A View from the Top of the World. Although the entirely lengthy songs on the album may stretch the limits of one's attention span, they are all sufficiently busy and sound distinguished from one another, with some songs favoring Dream Theater's heavy side and others favoring their melodic side. And there's never really a lull on the album, because even when it settles into a simple repetitive groove, you can hear at least one member of the band just absolutely working his limbs off at any given time. It certainly helps that their efforts are aided by the album's advanced level of production, this is Dream Theater's first collaboration with legendary metal producer Andy Sneap, renowned for his work with bands like Testament, Megadeth, Arch Enemy, and Judas Priest. And if a view from the top of the world is any indication, they need to work with him more often. Sneap's steady hand ensures that all members can be clearly heard in the mix no matter how dense the music gets, and for seemingly the first time ever, John Myung's bass lines particularly get their due, revealing him as the glue holding Dream Theater's songs together that he always was. Ultimately, A View from the Top of the World isn't, like, the second coming or anything. It doesn't revolutionize Dream Theater or prog rock in any meaningful way. What it does do, however, is deliver a top-tier return to form for the band, and it comes recommended for any fan needing a refresher on why they like Dream Theater to begin with. Alright, this next song is one of the shorter ones on the album, but it's still over seven and a half minutes long. This one is called Answering the Call. Enjoy!
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give something else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org. Suffer with 
Like the radio station, College Radio 89.9 FM. I'm not waiting for the answers on a Sunday afternoon. I'm just too drunk to remember why I always slip through the drugs and fake ambition. I've been helping me to hide, but it's the endless television that has kept me inside. Where do we go? Why am I always complaining? I can be good, I can be bad
everyone's chunky. I'm not asking for forgiveness for the things that I don't know. But I'm really not that different. You just made me think so. When does it stop? When does it end? Where do we go? Why am I always complaining? I can be good, I can be bad, I can be a junkie off their 2000 album Spiritual Machines. Our Lady Peace is getting ready to drop a new album soon and it's actually a follow-up to the Spiritual Machines album. Absolutely titled Spiritual Machines 2, the album, just like its predecessor, is a concept album inspired by Ray Kurzweil's 1999 book The Age of Spiritual Machines, When Computers Exceed Human Intelligence. It is scheduled for a traditional release on January 28th, 2022, but it was previously issued in the form of an NFT on October 29th. Thus far, two singles have been released from the album, and they indicate, well, a striking new direction for Our Lady Peace, to say the least. The lead single, Stop Making Stupid People Famous, is probably the poppiest song the band has released to date, and not in the same way as the Gravity album. This song draws inspiration from modern indie rock and electronica, evoking artists like Modest Mouse, Big Data, and The Strokes, and it even includes a verse from Russian protest band Beso Riot. The song, and the entire album for that matter, was produced by TV on the Radio's Dave Sedek, but you'd be forgiven for thinking Pharrell was the one behind this undisputable banger. It's disarmingly different for Our Lady Peace, and it may not be every fan's cup of tea, but I ultimately like the song and cannot deny its infectiousness. 
The second single from the new album is called Future Disease, and this one sounds a lot more like the band's 90s output, although the indie rock and electronica elements that pervaded the previous single are still present here. I'm feeling cautiously optimistic about the new direction suggested by these two singles, and I look forward to reviewing and playing from Spiritual Machines 2 on the program after its traditional release early next year. Anyway, before Our Lady Peace, I played Cold Cold Blood by Rancid off their 2017 album Troublemaker, Condemnation by Depeche Mode off their 1993 album Songs of Faith and Devotion, and Leatherman by Pearl Jam off the 1997 single release of Given to Fly. And that about wraps up a capricious installment of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I've been your host, Ian. As those of you who pay attention to my episode titles may have noticed, this is the 199th episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit 2.0. Which means that, yes, you got it, the next episode will be episode 200. And as you probably also deduced, I have something special planned. Don't bother trying to guess at the theme of the episode, you'll never be able to predict it. I'll just say for now that it's unlike anything I've ever done before with this program. Oh! And it's going to premiere next Sunday, November 28th, at the usual time here on KBGA. You're welcome. Alright, I'm concluding this episode by reviewing and playing a song from the new Jerry Cantrell album, Brighton. I have long felt that Jerry Cantrell as an artist holds the complete essence of Alice in Chains. This became especially evident after Alice in Chains reformed with new vocalist William Duvall several years after the 2002 death of original vocalist Lane Staley. The band's last three albums sound very much like the Alice in Chains of yore, even without Staley's one-of-a-kind vocals, and I believe that is in no small part due to Jerry Cantrell's continued contributions to the band. I suppose it shouldn't have been surprising on paper. Not only is Cantrell the lead guitarist and backing vocalist, but he also had a hand in writing virtually all the band's music. Furthermore, in Staley's absence, Cantrell took on an even bigger role within Chains, now writing almost all the band's songs himself and providing more of his own vocals than ever before, essentially upgrading his status to co-lead vocalist. Still, in this case, hearing really is believing. As integral and irreplaceable as Lane Staley was to Alice in Chains, I don't think they would have been able to enjoy this overall pretty wonderful second life they're experiencing today if Cantrell died instead of Staley. To really drive the point home, though, you need look no further than Cantrell's solo work. Cantrell released a pair of solo albums around the turn of the century, 1998's Boggy Depot and 2002's Degradation Trip Volumes 1 and 2, which was dedicated to Staley. The songs on these albums were even more exclusively written and recorded by Cantrell, of course, and since they weren't being released under the Alice in Chains name, he felt free to take liberties with his usual songwriting style, trying different instruments and often doing things you wouldn't typically hear in an Alice in Chains song. Here's the thing, though. As refreshingly different as Cantrell's solo albums sound from Alice in Chains, that whole, you know, Chains essence manages to permeate every single track isolating it from the context of the band, and showing listeners exactly what would be missing from Alice in Chains if they ever continued in any form without him. He can't help but sound like Alice in Chains in any context because he is, in essence, Alice in Chains. And so now, nearly two decades removed from his last solo album, Jerry Cantrell takes another stab at carving a separate musical identity from his main band with his long-overdue third album, Brighton. And I gotta say, if that was indeed his goal, then he succeeded at it far harder than I expected going in. 
The three singles I heard ahead of the album's release had some unique and unprecedented elements, even amid Control's body of solo work alone, but that hallmark chain sound was still present on all of them. After hearing the remainder of the album, I was completely taken by surprise at how country it sometimes got. And folks, to be clear, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense at all. Sure, I'm generally not much of a country fan, but there's really only one type of country I despise, mainstream country, aka bro country, and I can overall be pretty receptive to country music, especially when blended with different styles of rock. And on that note, I found the unconventional grunge country hybrid sound sometimes demonstrated on Brighton to be rather appealing. I just didn't see it coming at all. I think the only real precedent we got for it among Contrell's life's work was the Allison Chains song Don't Follow off the 1994 EP Jar of Flies, which happens to be one of the few songs from the Lane Staley era primarily sung by Contrell. This song has been the closest Allison Chains ever got to country, with its acoustic strumming, prominent harmonica, and more laid-back and bluesy vibe. Contrell's new solo album takes things even further in that direction, frequently incorporating guitar types and styles more commonly associated with blues and country, such as slide guitar and pedal steel guitar, as well as pianos. Although opening track and lead single Atone is heavily driven by a western-style acoustic electric riff, the album doesn't really lean into the country angle until the third track, Prism of Doubt, which opens with some disarmingly twangy guitar licks. By the end of that song, the whole country angle becomes very apparent and remains ever-present for pretty much the rest of the album. The only real exception is its sixth track, Had to Know, which almost sounds like it could have come off the 2018 Alice in Chains album, Rainier Fog. But like the other more Chains-esque songs on the album, even that one feels lighter and sunnier than typical Chains fare. And with that remark, I think I just illustrated the meaning behind the album's title. Overall, Brighton is another cathartic and sublime work of art from the mind of Jerry Cantrell, one that manages to broaden his horizons and subvert fan expectations in a good way. My only real gripe is that I wish it were longer. Although 40 minutes is a pretty standard length for an album, and longer than several of the others I've reviewed in 2021 alone, it still pales in comparison to the lengths of his other solo albums, which were over an hour each. I would have welcomed at least a good 10 to 15 minutes of additional music. You've left me craving more, Jerry! Ah! Alright, my closing track for this episode is not the most countryest song I could have chosen from the album, but I still think it gets the point across. This song is called Black Hearts and Evil Done. Ciao!
Forgotten like the way 